Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. As a minimalist, one of my goals is to find time to regularly shut out the noise and prioritize alone time. It isn't always easy to find dedicated time to myself each week, but even if it's just for a half hour evening walk, I try to prioritize solitude in my life. Joining me today to share more about her findings and musings on solitude and alone time is author Rebecca Illiff. But before we get to the conversation, as always, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. I also wanted to quickly mention, for those of you who have picked up a copy of my book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity, I'd love to hear your feedback. So far, I've been really blown away by all the positive responses. I just wanted to say, if you've recently finished or are about to do so, would you do me a huge favor and leave a review on Amazon? It helps other readers find the book and prompts the publisher to print more copies to keep it in stock. Thank you so much in advance for your time with this, and I've included an easily accessible link in the show notes for you. As for my minimalist moment this week, I feel like I'm constantly giving you nonfiction books as recommendations. I have another one for you. It is called From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life by Arthur C. Brooks. Now, I will say, after finishing this, I do think it was more geared towards probably 45 or 50 and up. That said, I'm happy to read any book that can give me some practical tips on how to create a happier life or in this case, go from strength to strength. So really the whole idea is after a certain age, we start to fade in certain types of memory and our abilities and our skills, but it doesn't mean that we don't have something to offer and bring to the table. So how do we move from our first strength to the next strength to the next stage of life and how do we find happiness while doing so? Some of the questions he asked towards the end are, what activities will you keep? What activities will you evolve and do differently? What activities will you let go of? What new activities will you learn? And to start, what will you commit to doing in the next week to evolve into the new you? What will you commit to doing in the next month? And what will you commit to doing in the next six months and a year? What will be the first fruits to appear as a result of your commitments? So again, As someone who tries to be as intentional and mindful as possible with just the way that I move through life, I know that not everything is planned and often think most things don't go our way and don't go as planned. But these are just ideas and thoughts and questions to ask myself regularly as I'm reflecting on my own successes and happiness and my purpose right now and in the future. So again, if you want to check this book out, it's called From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness and Deep Purpose by Arthur C. Brooks. All right, now for my conversation with Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation and appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I want to ask first for you to introduce yourself and if you consider yourself a minimalist, but I also wanted to say here at the beginning, this is a unique topic that we haven't talked about before in regards to celebrating solitude and just being alone and prioritizing that, being intentional about that, especially as moms. I think that we can forget to prioritize ourselves sometimes because we just are in the habits of, I am being a mom to these kids. This is my daily responsibility that we can forget about making alone time part of our routine. So I'm excited to have you to talk 
about that because we've never talked about that before, but why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to listeners. And then I want to know if you consider yourself a minimalist. Sure. So my name is Rebecca Eilif and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, formerly lived in California for many years and was in the tech industry. Um, I co-founded a tech company actually in 2012. So I went from that kind of frenetic Silicon Valley world to when I moved to Nashville, really shifting my career. I took a bunch of time off and shifting my career into writing full-time. So I do client commission work um, and I also do creative writing mostly in the humor and satire area. Um, Whether or not I'm actually funny or entertaining is still to be determined, but yeah, so that's how I spend my time these days. Absolutely. And then my second question to that was, do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? It was really interesting when I looked up the definition of that, because I think there's a lot of varying uh, ways that people think about it. But kind of the, the general thrust is, you know, ridding yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important. So to that degree, I think that's what I'm attempting to do on a regular basis, although I have a you know closet full of shoes and things like that. But I do think that I tend to prioritize finding purpose and finding joy and spending time with people I care about above just the hamster wheel of money and fame and achievement. Although not to say that that hasn't been more part of my life, I think in the past, and maybe some of that's just age, but also it's kind of, I feel like I kind of fall in this cross section of stoicism and minimalism, <laughs> which is, you know, part of the the virtues of stoicism are around temperance, you know, and wisdom. And so I think I would kind of fall, I, I, I think in my best version of myself, I kind of fall in between those two things and, and attempt to do, to live simply in a way that it isn't just like going after something to go after it, but really trying to be intentional about the way that I'm living my life. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I feel like that's a huge driver of your book though, choosing to celebrate solitude and being alone. You have to be intentional about being alone or maybe, maybe that's a misnomer. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's not true. Do you feel like that? Or do you feel like it's easy for you to find solitude and celebrate it? So I think that historically I've always been someone who craves a lot of alone time and I don't particularly consider myself an introvert per se. I think I just, I like reflection and being by myself and doing activities by myself. And I I think for me, it, it wasn't difficult to do those things. What was difficult was not feeling awkward or badly about it and wondering for a long time, like what's wrong with me, you know, and I in and out of relationships until I was married, but single for many years of my life. And feeling okay about it, you know, like definitely wanting to be in relationship is important to me, but also I kept thinking, okay, should I be more worried about this? You know? And so a lot of my growth has just been around kind of fully stepping into, okay, this is who I am. This is what I prefer. This is the balance I need between relationship and solitude, you know? And I think, I think it has to be both. So I think there's a, just like anything else, you know, I think there's a balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I forgot to mention the name of your book, Champagne for One. So you 
wrote this based on an original poem. So I guess what was the genesis of this original poem, Champagne for One? What was, I guess, your inspiration? So the poem came to me as I was actually getting a massage, which sounds really uh, weird until the more the context is that my one of my best friends passed away really tragically on August 3rd, 2017. And so we were supposed to be celebrating our birthdays together in September. Um, it was just shy of her 37th birthday when she passed away. And so I ended up being at this spa by myself, which the intention would have been that she would have been there with me as well. And so I was sitting there waiting to go get my massage and the attendant came up and said, you know, would you like a glass of champagne? And I said, yes, I would. And then she turned to the chair next to me that was empty and said, would your friend like one as well? And I was like, oh, it's just me. Um, And of course this brought up, you know, multitude of emotion. And I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to like totally accept this and roll with it and enjoy my time. And this is obviously very sad and not what I prefer. And so throughout the course of the massage, I just started thinking about that concept of like champagne for one, like, you know, I'm by myself, like this is, you know, this is okay. And by the end of the massage, I had, I went back to uh, my bag, my locker, and I just wrote the whole poem down. I thought, you know, there's, there's something here, like in terms of this concept of solitude. And I had written about it a lot through my grief cycle. And so the book was really, it's really kind of like a culmination of all these different essays and stories that I had written about being alone, which was actually, I wrote a lot of it in 2018 and 2019, ironically, before the pandemic even started. So that was the genesis behind it. I can't even imagine sitting there and having that experience, being present in that experience and, and feeling lonely, missing your friend, also wanting to live life to the fullest, if you will. There was just probably so much there. But I want to talk a little bit more about the idea of feeling lonely and then like isolating yourself, but also that's different than seeking solitude, willingly choosing to be alone. So let's talk a little bit about the variations there. So my personal experience you know, I think you can define things differently, but I tend to feel lonely generally after some big change where there's a person that's been a significant part of my life. It's no longer there. So for example, after a death or a breakup or something, or just generally feeling disconnected, you know, like there's a void there that you want to fill. All that is to say, I, I don't necessarily think that this is a bad thing. I think it kind of becomes demonized a little bit. So I think feeling lonely is a pretty normal part of the human experience. But I think in some way, it's like when we're lonely, we're thinking, okay, we need a connection. We want, we want to be connected to something. So solitude is kind of the opposite of that in that we are purposefully removing ourselves in a healthy way. So to reflect, to think about things, to just to kind of recover in a sense. And so I think it's, it's almost like that polar opposite where we are purposefully avoiding connecting. Uh, we may feel generally connected to our husband, to our friends, to our community, but for in this moment, we are purposefully removing ourselves. And then isolation, I think it, it's tricky because I tend to think of it as removing yourself in a potentially unhealthy way you, because you either can't handle it or you're fearful or something. So I think it tends to have a little bit more of a negative connotation, which again, I don't want to pathologize things, but I, I just, I think generally definition wise, it tends to be more on the unhealthy side of things. And, you know, 
I don't know about you, but I've certainly vacillated between all three. I think it just depends on mm-hmm. kind of like what day it is. I mean, there are certainly days where I still, even after years of <laughs> years of therapy and working on things, it's like, I just want to isolate. And then other days it's like, oh, I'm embracing my, you know, my alone time and I'm totally choosing to be alone and it's healthy. And so, you know, I think again, it's just, just part of being human. Why do you think the idea of solitude is important, especially like after having 2020 when we were isolated, but it's still, despite feeling isolated and despite feeling lonely, it's important to seek out solitude. So what are your thoughts? You know, I think 2020 is interesting because in my opinion, I think it was a forced isolation. And I I think that's not ever good for anybody. And I think that we were forced into this situation where for better or for worse, we had to say, okay, we're going to make the best of this situation. And I think many people that I know actually became such better versions of themselves because Mm -hmm. they had this time that wasn't sucked up by, you know, socializing event after event, after obligation, after obligation. And so they really embraced it. And I think there was a lot of growth that has happened. A lot of people, you know, had time to think and reflect and, you know, look at their life in a different way. And I think for those that were kind of standing on the precipice of already feeling really isolated, I think it sent those people into a different space. And so again, I want to be sensitive to the fact that I'm not by any means saying with this book, like, oh, we should celebrate, like, you know, anytime someone's feeling bad about being alone, you know, they shouldn't feel like that. Cause I think it's very situational. I think many people have, have learned um, that they can be alone and that they don't need as much interaction as they thought they did. And I, and I do think, and I think maybe I was talking to you about this over email. We don't live in a culture that accepts solitude as normal, Mm. right? So we are, we are driven by relate, 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 connect, connect, connect. I mean, just social media alone, it's all about kind of this faux connection where we are expending all of our energy outward and trying to get attention and validation from these really kind of superficial relationships. Right. And so it's like, that's just becoming more and more normalized where it's like locking yourself in your office in your bathroom, which is what I tend to do to get alone time is like, what a weirdo, you know, like, why is that person? And why does that person not have Facebook? You know, I'm, I've spent very little time on social media, admittedly, at this point in my life. But I think part of that is a preservation tactic, because I wanted my time to be going back to the, you know, the minimalist theme you know, I wanted my time and I wanted my own thoughts and I wanted to be able to read a book without feeling like every five minutes I had to check my Instagram, which what is that about? You know, that's, it's crazy that that's now where a lot of us are spending our, our time instead of really in um, kind of cultivating our own sense of self and, and our own joys and likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. I just think that we are here at the beginning of the year and taking that idea of, I don't, I don't need to be so connected. I think about that a lot. And I have been thinking about that a lot recently, just because I have this podcast and I have the Instagram for it. And I, I'm always like, Oh, I should put more into my social media presence for at what end, like how much of myself do I have to do that when I'm already doing this podcast that I, that I do, I feel like the podcast in a way is my job. So I want to put effort towards it, but yeah, there are just these other sillier things. And it's like, why do I care? 
what this person is doing all throughout their day. I don't know. Again, I don't want to extreme to demonize it, but it's finding the right balance. And I do think it is important for things like marketing and and Mm -hmm. for outreach and discovery and that those things are amazing. Mm -hmm. I just think we're over indexing side of being connected. And it's really, you know, I don't know, maybe we can think of a different term for it, but it's really not connection. It's really just a one way, you know, we aren't getting the mirroring from it that we would necessarily need to feel validated. It's just like a one way, it's like a shot of adrenaline, you know, and I think over time, and there's studies starting to come out about this, none of which I can cite here because I don't have it in front of me, but you know, you read a lot now about this is really causing depression and it's it's actually having the adverse effect. And so, okay, what do we do to kind of walk it back a little bit and say, okay, I don't want to be completely anti, but what's the right balance? And for me personally, and this is just my own opinion, I think people have to experience it on their own, but I just have, I feel a lot less anxious about things than I feel like of just sitting and reading a book for three hours with no interruptions. I, that's one of my favorite things to do. Going for a walk for an hour and a half with my dog and not having my phone with me, just going silently, enjoying nature and just enjoying just being instead of doing. I always say this thing where I, I think, again, the society that we live in mm-hmm. doesn't reward beers, it rewards doers. And so if you're just trying to be in the world and kind of be present and move through your life, not coming unhinged every five minutes because you know you didn't get a like or someone mm-hmm. didn't call you to go to brunch or whatever, it's not necessarily like rewarded in some visible way. So that's another, you know, that's another aspect of it. I think that people can get sucked into. I was listening to something this morning actually, and it was talking about small doses of dopamine, like typically Mm -hmm. where we spend the most time or where we get the most boosts of dopamine. And so they said that that's why it can be harder to start a new habit, like exercise or reading for a long period of time or studying something that we want to learn more about. So basically that will give us long-term reward. Sure. But something as simple as, Hey, I'm going to check my phone every few minutes to see if I got that email, because when we know that we will eventually get an email or a text or a like, and so once we get that little boost, that's what we're looking for. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I'm like, okay, so basically I just need to think about that and be mindful of that when I'm starting to do these activities that are not necessarily so good for me. If I'm really being intentional about that thought process, I can rewire the homeostasis of my body and my dopamine responses to get more of a positive response around the things that I actually want to make habit. <laughs> Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. And that, and there is, I mean, now there is science behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a proven thing. This is mm-hmm. since the beginning of time, you know, people yeah. have known how this works. The real gift for me of extreme grief is, and I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced a, a traumatic death of a loved one, but everything just kind of goes away really quickly. All the stuff that doesn't matter, the people that aren't reciprocal in their relationships, uh, the things you don't enjoy doing at all anymore that you kind of have just been doing, it just completely goes away. And so I, I say that that was, for me, it was like a big reprogramming where I just thought, gosh, you know, why am I spending so much time in other people's biz? I don't care, you know? So it's almost like this freedom that comes with looking at your own life and going, wow, if I could really not be here for, we just don't ever really know, which sounds morbid, but at the same time, it gives you this level of freedom where you're like, I'm not going to spend five minutes mm-hmm. on someone else's Instagram 
and, you know, it, their trip in Barbados and I feel like a big loser because I'm at home by myself or whatever those things are. And it's like, I just want to live my own life. So that's kind of, in a way it's, I've, I've adopted this. I mean, it sounds like an attitude problem, but it's like this, this attitude where it's like, I don't care what you're doing. I will interact with you if it's reciprocal and if we're both enjoying it, but why would I spend one minute with people or in situations that are not additive to my life? Because mm-hmm. this is like, we have this one kind of shot. We should be free to choose how we do that. And I think part of that freedom comes with not being so overly involved in other people's stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's as simple as that for me, at least. Yeah. And I think with that, uh, sorry, I know we're kind of like veering a little bit from the celebrating of solitude, but I think in regards oh, okay. to who we're following, I had to tell myself, if I set boundaries on when I'm getting on my phone to check those people, because I was, I was really into the bachelor for a while. So I was following a ton of bachelor people. <laughs> I had to reevaluate. I'm, I'm like, not judging you. I'm not <laughs> judging you, Diane. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, why do I care what these people are doing right now? Also, if I just checked in the morning or at night, stories stay up for 24 hours. So they're still going to be there. I don't need to check every few hours to see what are they doing now? What are they doing? 24 now? hours. What internet are you on? They stay up forever. They never go away. <laughs> I, mean, my story, I mean, I guess in your 24 hour stories, sure. People. Oh, the cycle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that is one thing. But also I think that you could probably choose. I don't remember what the actual statistic is, but how we were never meant to have more relationships than I think it's a hundred that we can have. We can have a hundred relationships with people. So we're trying to connect to all these people everywhere and it's just not realistic. So maybe if you are following someone's day to day that you really enjoy following and they inspire you, I, there's a few homeschool moms that I really like, and I like to follow their stuff, but limit it, put limits on it. You're not going to equally follow everyone and be able to also find the solitude. Like think about how much solitude you could actually have, even as a mom, if you, chose to not waste time. Right. And if it's something that you value, I think there are people that don't need as much alone time. Right. So, but then on the other side, you hear people complaining about, Oh, I never have time alone. It's so, well, that's a choice too. We all, you know, we all have the freedom to choose how we spend our time. And I, I think that there is this um, misnomer because it feels like we don't have choice. It feels like, Oh, we're so busy. We have to do this. But the second the music stops, really in a, in a hard way, which the pandemic, I think was in, in a certain sense, very traumatic in that, in that way. It's like all of a sudden, all your social ties are cut off and you are like, wow, I, I can make a cho- a different choice now. And so in that way, I, I do think, like I was saying before it, people really were reevaluating who they were spending time with, mm-hmm. how they were spending their time, and again, I, I don't, I think we need to, we don't need to like demonize having a full plate. Cause I think living a full life is very important too. You know, you want to have friendships. Something else I was going to say is in terms of how many relationships we can actually kind of manage in a lifetime. Something else that was interesting for me is I see relationships as an investment and how much investment do you have time to make? You know, and I think I've gotten, my closest relationships have gotten so much stronger and the ones that were kind of on the verge just went away and that's okay. And I think that just accepting that, you know, I want to have six or seven really solid relationships in my life and that's enough, you know, and it's, and they're deep and they're meaningful. And I would rather have that than 2000 friends on Facebook. You know, just that's my personal choice. Yeah. Yeah. But it all takes time, you know? Absolutely. So 
just kind of wrapping things up here, I'm just curious to know what are your, some of your favorite ways to spend time alone? So I love going on walks, as I mentioned before, with my sweet little dog. That's kind of my meditation. I try to do that at least three or four times a week. I go to one of my girlfriends here owns a place called Pure Sweat and Float Studio. And so I do like the infrared sauna a couple of times a week, which is rejuvenating and good for your health. And, and you can be alone and get your sweat on and <laughs> watch Netflix and not have to talk to anyone. And then, you know, reading and I, I do love reading and meditation, things like that. But yeah, I think for me, it's being in nature and just kind of being able to zone out for a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. Nature is a big one for me as well. Well, Rebecca, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts here. Where can listeners find you if they want to connect more with you online or grab a copy of your book? So the best way to find me is just to go to my website, rebeccailiff.com. And then also the champagneforone.com is where all the book assets are and you know date of um, book trailers on there, the date of release. Uh, but yeah, that, those are really the two easiest ways to find me. And then my social media handles, um, of which there are a few, <laughs> are, are on there. I'm not a very exciting person to follow, so I wouldn't recommend it. Um, <laughs> well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd love to share with the listeners? I've recently read this great book called The Art of Solitude by Stephen Batchelor. And it's not actually that new of a book, but I have been doing you know, quite a bit of just reading on the topic. And so um, I would highly recommend that. It's a great book. And then another book on the same topic is called Solitude, A Return to the Self by Anthony Storr. So those are two, if you know, again, you're interested in the topic, I think those are two really great books. Cool. I'll have to get those from the library, but those sound great and I'll put them in the show notes. All right. Last question. What is something that you can't stop talking about? So there are three brands that I've kind of become obsessed with. The first one is Alexa Pulitzer, um, P-U-R, sorry, P-U-L-I-T-Z-E-R. She's a designer, but she makes this really great stationery. She's based in New Orleans and it's just, she just has like really great design aesthetic. Uh, it's very kind of like French, Italian, but cute stationery and funny stuff too. And then um, Thistle Farms is this place based here in Nashville and all the products are made by female survivors of drug trafficking, sex trafficking, domestic violence. And they just have, their products are amazing. They sell everything from candles to jewelry, but I bought half of my Christmas presents this year were from Thistle Farms. So that's a really great company that, that I like to support. And then the last one is, it's kind of funny. I just discovered her. It's called Molly J and it's their CBD infused gummies, but they're like super fancy. They come in these amazing boxes. This like really cute, high design concept. And it's just like my new favorite thing. So again, these are all things that I purchased for Christmas presents and now are like on my list of like gift, my gift list. Well, great. I'll put all those in the show notes and Rebecca, thank you again so much for your time today. This was a great, just fun, organic conversation about solitude. And I hope the listeners enjoy it. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great week. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.